Hey, welcome to the How to Write a Novel podcast. This is episode six, almost a week down. So uh, I think instead of, you know, I'm still sort of trying to nail down the format. And my idea was to talk about what kind of writing I did yesterday, then a general purpose blather. But I think uh, I'm gonna do the general purpose blather first because it's always what's on my mind. So it's much easier to talk about that first and then figure out what I did writing-wise after. So, uh, I mean, I guess this is kind of a sort of a lifestyle podcast, as Colt Cabana would say. Except in this case, it's the lifestyle of a weirdo who writes a book. I guess the thing that's kind of uh, on my mind today is the notion of social anxiety. It's one of those things that no one ever talked about when I was a kid. And now it's extremely common to the point that it's uh, almost tiresome when someone tells you, I have social anxiety. It's like, yeah, well, no fucking shit. Everybody does. Get over yourself, fucker. (laughs) I'm sure there's, as with everything, I'm sure that there are cases where it is a total thing, where it's like someone is actually non-functional without some weird pills or uh, outdoor-based woodsman rituals. But yeah, it's one of those things where you can never know what the world seems like to other people, you know? I always presumed that uh, everyone felt more or less like I do. And then as I get older, it's more and more clear that that's not true. And then you meet some real pieces of work in your life where you're like, not only does this guy really see the world different than me, he's never going to understand. He's never going to be different. And it's just like, fuck. That's crazy. Kind of instructive and useful to meet people like that, but it's also just bananas. That's the kind of thing where it's like, man, if I was in a war with a person like that, like, who knows what would happen? Because they're just fucking, I would say crazy, but the less specific to myself term would just be different. Just extremely different. So when stuff like that, when terms like that come up of like, hey, social anxiety, it's like one of those things where I'm like, hmm, you know, I wonder. (laughs) I always, I guess whenever there's some kind of a new diagnosis floating around, you know, it's just just for the sake of just being interested in it or self-tune up or whatever, it's like, well, let me take a gander. Let me consider that when placed against my understanding of myself. And like, that's one of those weird middle ones where it's like, I think it'd be hard to claim that I have social anxiety because I can give speeches in front of large crowds and there's plenty of things I can do and have done that someone with social anxiety surely would not. But then you get stuff too, like uh, I fucking couldn't stand high school. I couldn't wait to get out of there. And then I didn't pursue any more formal education, partially ideologically, because it just seemed like an awful lot of money for nothing that seemed valuable to me. But beyond that, it just wasn't going to happen. It's like I was so stressed and so unhappy with that whole situation. They'd have to fucking tie me to a bunch of horses and drag me (laughs) to a university. There was no fucking way. I'd rather be homeless. I'd rather learn to live on the streets than go through that shit. 
And people would say like, oh, well, university is different. It's not like high school. Yeah, yeah. In junior high, that's what they said about high school. In elementary school is what they said about junior high. Kindergarten, that's what they said about elementary school. How many times? Fool me four times. Shame on you four times. <laughs> You're not gonna fool me five. Fucking school. And like, that's, I guess it's just, it's so weird to me. Like, that's one of those things I really legitimately cannot understand is that there are people that are just comfortable in groups like that. In group settings, taking part in a group thing, having someone tell them what to do. It's fucking so crazy to me. It's like, oh man, I hate that. <laughs> you know? Even just the idea of like playing sports as a kid or something and just falling into that routine and just like, I'm part of the team. I do my part. I follow the coach's lead. I work with my teammates. Man, that seems so crazy to me. That is not how my head works. It's not it at all. So as far as something like social anxiety goes, I guess it's the reason it doesn't connect or doesn't fit as any kind of a diagnosis is that it's just too broad. It's too general an idea. Because I can do all kinds of social shit that is uh, very easy for me. I can get along with people easy, very easy. If I just meet somebody, no problem. But on the long term, I can't get along with them at all. That's impossible. <laughs> you know? So who knows? But the reason I bring all this up is uh, I just went to get a haircut today. Just a simple little thing, but man, it is such a struggle for me to go to a barber shop. I only got at all comfortable with it in the last five or six years. And still today, it's just, uh, I don't know, I went to this one little barber shop that I kind of go to more often than not, that I just, for whatever reason, tend to like and feel generally comfortable in uh, Vancouver. Today, I was like a little bit behind. There was quite a few people, I had to wait someone else came in and they were so like now I'm waiting and then there's another person behind me waiting and I just was like like wow I can't believe how stressed out I feel right now <laughs> it's so weird because I'm just sitting there waiting that's all found a little book on screenwriting and their shelf and just was browsing through it and uh, I don't know it's just it's just kind of like unexpected and inexplicable but I was like the shallow breathing, super tense. I'm like, I just want to get out of here. I don't want to be here right now. And I had to like remind myself to just take big breaths, big slow breaths. And that just calmed me down. That's the best thing I find about feeling anxious or sometimes if I'm walking around and I just like woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm feeling kind of grumpy, is I use that as like a little reminder to just take deep breaths. It's amazing how effective it is. If you just like really focus on taking like 10 big slow breaths, as big as you can, and you realize that you've been breathing so shallowly, you've been breathing at like a quarter or an eighth capacity of what can fit in your lungs and just, just breathe, just big breathe, big, big, big. By like the third one, you just feel way better. And it's just like, it's almost good to feel uncomfortable just as a reminder to do that. And then once it was my time to get on the barber chair, then I just, uh, you know, I don't know, made some jokes with the barber lady and everything was fine. I just felt fine. I don't know. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird. Weirdly unpredictable, I guess, is maybe that's my biggest problem is that I just, I just don't really know what's going to be easy and what's going to be tough. And it's just, it hits so unexpectedly and so suddenly. It's weird.
Probably handy for writing though, all these things, all these different experiences. I do think I'm a little more torqued up than most people. It does seem like things tend to stick with me a little more. My feelings tend to stay with me, both good and bad, and I just, uh, I do think it makes it maybe a little harder to navigate the world and to live a normal life, but very handy for writing when you can just like draw upon memories of how things felt because they felt very strong and very clear and they're very easy to recall. Again, who knows? You can never know how things actually are for other people. But that seems handy to me. All right, that's enough rambling about nothing. These episodes keep tending toward longness. So yesterday, the task I had set for myself is because I finished a chapter of my book and I didn't have any clear sense of where the next chapter should go. I have long-term goals and all I know is I'm not ready to get there yet. So uh, I just went through my notes. I've got my like 250-ish little notes that are split into a few different subcategories and I just looked through them and it was great. I came up with a ton of stuff that I don't even remember having written or just stuff I totally forgot about. In this case I saw a thing about what if this story takes place on an alien space station so what if our main character is walking around and finds like a weird little um, like a market type thing that she's never seen before because you see all those like markets that just pop up like they're only there for the weekend or they're only there on a Sunday and then they're just gone and she doesn't know how their calendar works or what day it even is ever so this thing is just there and it might be gone tomorrow but it's like oh this is a weird little thing that's cool so I was like all right let's grab that idea I like that and then there's the idea that the other creatures like her of her species there's like five of them on the station and they're all war orphans and they don't want to talk to each other because they don't want to have to discuss their situation. You know, they can just continue to evade it and sort of not think about it as long as they don't talk to each other. So I was thinking, okay, she could come across this, uh, this little market and maybe she could see one of her own species, but he doesn't notice her. And she's just kind of hiding a little, like she wants to observe him. She just wants to watch him and just see what he's doing on this station, how he's acting, how he is taking to this place. And while she's kind of covertly spying on this dude, that's when her HR rep guy, Qualum, the alien man, the jelly boy, he comes up to her then and just like kind of freaks her out like, oh shit, fuck. And that's good enough. That's a start. And then, you know, they can blab about shit. A conversation can bloom from that setting. But the other thing that's cool is while I was looking through stuff, I actually found a way that I think I can extend the previous chapter. So as I described yesterday, I ended the chapter on this like kind of morose note, this kind of emotionally ambiguous, she just walks off into the station note, which would be fine. But I found this other note that I forgot about where earlier in the story, just to kind of get her head together, just to exercise, she starts jogging through the station, trying to find a less busy part of the station, just goes for a jog, but she just can't maintain it because this is really early in the book when she's cripplingly depressed by being this survivor of this horrible, cataclysmic tragedy. She just can't maintain the energy to even exercise. 
and that was kind of based on this, it's probably like 2014-ish. I remember I had this terrible, terrible winter when I was in Toronto, where I was just so, so down in the dumps. And I was trying to do these little corrective exercises because I always have these problems with my shoulders. And I just remember it was like one of those situations where it was so pitiable and just so pathetic that even though I was all down, I was also like amused at myself of like, oh man, I gotta remember this, this is insane. That just, literally just doing stretches, I would just like stop midway through to just be like, oh, I feel so bad on the insides. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know what it was, it was weird. It was like, I don't know why that unlocked it. Maybe it was like this direct action toward trying to make myself feel better, to do something that will help me. Somehow also flared up the idea that things were just shitty. And I wonder if that's tied into, maybe this is partially why when people are just vaguely depressed, they just sit around and are just couch potatoes and just watch TV shows forever. It's like if you just act like a big bag of shit, it's weirdly easier to deny the things that suck. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird. Then when you go try to better yourself, it's like you're just opening up both sides of your personality. Maybe, I have no idea, this is all just random conjecture. And then if you persevere past that point, you start to feel much better by being active and getting your life together. Anyway. I found a note where I had postulated that at some point in the future she could go for another jog through the station and this time feel way better. Fuck it, shit that's loud. Do you mind? Helicopter man? Fuck. So instead of just wandering off in a morose fashion at the end of the previous chapter, she could go for a run, go for a little joggy jog and it will just go way better that time. And I'm like, sweet, I like it. I'm gonna go add that in. And then as I was thinking about it, while I was laying in bed last night, I'm like, oh, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if that is a better ending or if the more ambiguous ending that I already had is better. But that's the beauty of the first draft. Like even though I'm writing at this very slow, methodical pace, and even though I'm trying very hard to make sure that each emotional beat of this story fits and makes sense. Because it's a first draft, I'm also not worrying too much about if it sucks. Because I've gotten caught in that trap many times of uh, just really trying to refine each little sentence and just going back over a chapter over and over and over until I can read it over and not want to fix anything and just like, like editing as I go. And it's just really pointless because then at the end of a story, when it's time to go back and read it again, I still change a million goddamn things, you know? How many helicopters? Are you fucking kidding? What is happening right now? This reminds me of when I lived in Queens and I was under one of the flight paths to uh, LaGuardia Airport. And it made me so mad. I used to just yell at the airplanes because I, I wasn't aware back then that I had abnormal sound sensitivity. Whereas now I do know. 
Knowing is half the battle. It keeps me from yelling at things for being loud. Well, obviously it doesn't because I just did that. <laughs> but I mean, like, I would really get mad in New York because they would really come in low. Like, it would just rattle your whole head. I hated it so fucking much. That whole city is just so noisy. I mean, I was out in Queens. Just bad luck that I was on the flight path. But then you get into Manhattan and it's so loud all the time. Man, this is literally the fourth helicopter. I don't know what's going on here. But yeah, anyone who really fits in with New York, I don't know that they even know this about themselves, but it'd be an interesting study to do. Of like, are these more kind of deadened people, you know? Do they hear things less loudly? Do they feel things in general less? Are they not bothered by being surrounded by people? Are they not bothered by having rats everywhere? <laughs> Are they not bothered by filth? Like, seems like they're not, because like it's the only way I can understand. My little sensitive namby-pamby soul hated New York City. I fucking hated it. But again, I mean, I'll take that over whatever they got. I'm much happier to be a sensitive soul, a fancy artistic poet who uh, can't stand the big burly city. That's fine. I'm much happier to be that person. But yeah, it's just interesting what that says about them. What kind of ogres are you people? <laughs> just trudging around. Do they even have like ear canals that go to the brain or do they just have little reptile-like indentations? You know, if you really look close. Hmm. Maybe that lizard theory is true and they all live in New York. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. But I got a new ending. For chapter 12 so that's sweet so today's plan add that new ending to chapter 12 then move on to chapter 13 oh and as a little side thing too as I was going through my notes most of the subsections are pretty small you know like 20 or fewer notes about a given topic except the one that is of the two characters and basically arguments that they could have <laughs> that's gonna be the majority of this book is the clash between them I mean, it must be the same helicopter, right? Is he just circling? What is... Uh, I wish I had a rocket launcher. I want to shoot you down. Go away. I'm in a park right now. People are trying to park it up. Throwing frisbees and kids are playing and shit. Why is there this helicopter here? What are you doing? I want to just telepathically ask him right now. What are you doing? Do you need me to zap your balls with magical brain electricity because you need to fuck off right now like what is your thing what are you doing who are you go away <laughs> so uh yeah that folder with the different arguments it's real big it's like 60 different ideas and it's just a, a drag to sort through it's just too many so i split it into subcategories now i've got it set up for early arguments where you know it's mostly just the refugee girl casting unfair aspersions against his uh his people just to be a dick and then the middle arguments where they're starting to actually get along a bit and then the end game arguments where their more deeply held philosophical differences are going to become impossible to uh overcome and I'm halfway through sorting them into those categories, but that'll make it a lot easier in the future.
less daunting. All right, before that helicopter can come circle back around, let's fucking wrap this up. And all right, for cool song of the day, this is uh, this guy I just found out about recently. It was such a dumb story where I was just looking up music from 10 Things I Hate About You, because that is a fucking great film. And uh, so I was on Soulseek and I found like the score, which is unusual, the score for 10 Things I Hate About You. But along with it, I found this guy, Jamie Lenman, because he has a song called All the Things You Hate About Me, I Hate Too, <laughs> or something like that, which is also cool. I'll play that later. But yeah, I found this guy by complete accident, and he has some great shit. So this song is called Hardbeat, and it's just about the weirdness of he's some guy from fucking England. Who knows who is listening to this song? fucking oceans apart, worlds apart, probably will never meet. But through this little headphone that's in your ear, like he's right there, he's communicating with you, he's talking to you. And it's just so cool, because I mean, that is this whole fucking weird modern world we're in now. I mean, I don't know who's gonna listen to this. Maybe it'll just scatter to the wind, but maybe 50 years after I'm dead, someone will be listening to this, you know? It's just, it's a crazy idea. It's just so cool to be even though we're fully, just completely removed from one another, there's still this communication, and it is like the most intimate communication imaginable, right in your ear, you know? I just love it. It's such a cool song. So this is Hard Beat by Jamie Lenman, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Stop until we turn and take
Apart. 